Welcome to the New Life Church Podcast. Now, to this week's sermon by New Life's lead pastor, Dr. Michael Kramer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear gracious and heavenly Father, during this time that we open your word this morning, I pray that you would encourage every heart. Lord, draw us into you today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine for a second that a powerful nation, maybe a nation off to our east or something like that, decided to invade the United States of America. Just follow me for along for a second. I know you're saying to yourself, no, this is the United States. Just, just hear me. Let's just say that that happened, though. Let's say that that happened. There was no defense. There's nothing that we could do. Our military was completely overthrown, and there's nothing that we could do about it. At that moment, they decided to remove the heads of our leadership, and so they placed at that time in our nation's capital one of their own leaders to represent them on our soil. And then they chose to go to all of the different states and they replaced our governors with someone on a local level within our states that would represent them on a local level. And then they went into every single one of the cities and they took out the mayors, they removed the mayors and they, re- they replaced the mayors with someone in, from their country, from their, their, uh, from their nation, on our soil, in our own communities. And then they went a step further and they replaced the heads of the police, the heads of the fire, the heads of of all of the hospitals, and they just said, we are going to be in charge. And then they went a step further. They decided that at that moment, they were going to impose a few different things. They made some decrees. They decided, you've been living by these laws in your free country, but you're not free anymore. Now you need to live by this code and by these laws. And anyone who does not will be punished by our laws because you are not your country anymore. You are now an extension of us. And so then they began to look around and they declared not only new laws, but then they began to declare new taxes. And so even those who did very well and who produced great wealth, they found themselves working 60, 70, 80 hours a week just to live barely in poverty. Then they took a look around and they said, well, we don't just want that. We want the the nation's best for our nation. And so they looked around and they found everybody that is ages 15 to 21. They went into Penn High School, Mishawaka. They went to Elkhart. They went to Elkhart Christian because don't think that Christians are exempt to any of these things as well. And so they went into all of these different schools. They went into Edwardsburg. They went into the South Bend schools and they found all of the handsome men and all the beautiful young women. And then they decided for themselves, they not only wanted them, but they also wanted those who were extremely well-educated. So anybody who had a GPA of 3.5 or higher, they grabbed them and they said, you're coming with us. We're going to take you with us and you're going to be trained, not just in your country under our leadership. We're going to take you to our country. We want you to get trained right from the source. So they took all of our young people. They took them out of Bethel College. They took them out of Notre Dame. They took them out of Indiana University, Ball State, Purdue. They took them all. And then they look at the heads of the trades and they say, well, why should they have great electricians and plumbers? And why should they have all of that working here in the United States of America? We want the best in our nation. So they took all of those and they took them to their country and they left us completely desolate. That is the very condition that Daniel found himself in. We often read these stories and we say, well, how can that look? How does that, how does that look in today's 
day and age, in today's world, it looks just like that. Daniel woke up one day, he found himself in a strange country. Homes were destroyed, cities were destroyed, states were destroyed. A country was completely destroyed. Daniel woke up and he said, what am I going to do? As Daniel took a look around, no doubt about it, he saw a different system in place. I want you to think about something for a second. Daniel was a young man that grew up in a country that he loved. Daniel loved Israel. He loved the nation of Judah. I'm just going to refer to it as Israel because at one time they were one nation, but it got divided. We'll stay out of the weeds there. But the reality is they were all part of this great nation, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he loved the history He loved it. He loved his country and he saw it. He saw how precious it was to be a child of God. Daniel was not somebody who was living a life of sin. Daniel was a man who was living righteous. And yet at 15 years old, he finds himself ripped out of his home, taken away. He's watched complete chaos unravel in his country. And now what he loved so much is no more. So now he wakes up one day and Daniel finds himself looking around at Babylon and he says, wow, Look at all these temples. We used to have a temple. I used to be able to go to the temple of the one true living God, but now they have all of these different temples that are, that are raised up to idols. He looked around and he said, uh, you know, these temples, they use all these different forms of sin to worship their false gods, including temple prostitutes and so many other terrible things. And yet he was used to the, the declaration of righteousness to worship the one true living God. Daniel looked around, he saw this education system that was in place, and it was in place to elevate the king and the country, not to elevate the one true living God that his education system represented in Israel. Daniel looked around in Babylon, and he saw people that sought hedonism as the main focus of life, self-pleasure, whatever pleases me, that's the main focal point of life yet so different from the way he grew up. And as an Israelite, the main focus is to glorify and to bring honor to their God. He looked around in Babylon and he saw how sin was no longer determined by the book of the law. Sin was determined by the king. The king could make anything right and he could make anything wrong. Daniel found himself in a unique place. Daniel looked around at Babylon, a nation that existed to exalt the name of the king. And he said, this is so different than my country because Israel, a nation existed to exalt the name of the one true living God. No doubt Daniel was feeling feelings of loss. He was taken from his home. He was being trained to think contrary or against his God. And Daniel would be forced to serve a system that would ultimately be against the one true God. Daniel today represents a man that never wavered in his walk with God. You know, today, you and I, we sit here in the United States of America. This is, this is still, I believe, the, the greatest country in the world. I do believe that. But we sit here and we look around and we say, this seems different. It seems a little different. We don't have temples to false gods, but we do have temples that have been built We have athletic arenas, we have concert halls, we have buildings for commerce, finance, medicine, so much more that we worship as a society. 
We see an education system that has slowly, since the 1950s, removed God completely from any thought. And praise God for educators in our midst that stay in the public school system and represent Jesus Christ. We have them here. Let's give it up for those educators, huh? We've come a long way from our founding fathers that built our nation to be free from the king's dictatorial rule, taxes, and a forced worship. The separation of church and state has been taken completely against what it was ever intended. The idea was that the state cannot dictate what we will worship. That is the whole end all of that. It's not to keep God out of the schools. We've come so far as a country that used to start with building churches before they built any other building in the town. The term pastor used to be used, there used to be a term that was used for his house. It was called the parsonage because the pastor was called the parson and the parson means the person. Often the pastor was the most educated person in the town. People would come to the pastor for all kinds of counsel, counsel for their marriages, counsel for their business, counsel for all kinds of things. He was the person. We've come so far from that. Now the pastor is no longer respected in cities and towns across America. In fact, pastors are questioned. A lot of cynicism and skepticism. The lost community doesn't want the influence of pastors. We've come a long way as a country We've come a long way from the great awakenings that stirred the moral fiber of our land. We've come a long way from the glory days of the 1970s in the church age when everybody found their way and Sunday was a sacred day. Nobody touched Sunday and it was a special day. We've come so far from that. You might even say, I feel like I'm living in a totally different country than what my grandparents talked about. I feel like I'm living in a totally different country than what my parents talked about when they were children. I feel like I'm living in a totally different country than maybe I even grew up in as a child. You might say, I feel like Daniel. I feel alone. I feel alone at school. I feel alone on my job. I feel alone on my team. I feel alone in my neighborhood. I feel alone everywhere I go. I feel like I'm walking in Babylon. Starting in the late 1990s, there was a term coined for the United States. We were beginning to be called a post-Christian nation. Now, that is more than ever the way it is. We sit here today and we find ourselves looking to vote morality, vote what is a sin, instead of looking to what God's word has described. We today, as believers in Jesus Christ, have more in common with Daniel and Esther than we have ever seen before. We are going to take a look this fall at an incredible account, Daniel living for Jesus Christ, living for his God in the midst of Babylon. This whole society that was turned against God. And Esther, not only who had been removed, Daniel was removed from his home. Esther was born into it. She didn't even know about it. In fact, what we're going to see with Esther is how God provided for his people, even in exile, when Esther had no idea about him because the generations before her didn't pass on the faith. We're going to see the way that God is working, not only back then, but today. 
Believers today look around and they say, well, where does this, what does this mean for me? What am I supposed to do? We have a game plan. How to live as a believer in Babylon. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, I want to give you two things this morning. Number one, you and I, we must have, develop an unwavering determination to live for God. You and I must develop an unwavering determination to live from God. I'm going to give you two theme verses that we're going to, we're going to camp on over the next 10 weeks this fall. Daniel chapter one and verse eight says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Daniel purposed he would not defile himself. Daniel purposed, Daniel determined. He decided at 15 years old that even though he would never be with his family again, he'd never worship in the temple again. He was starting all over. Instead of getting all enraptured with the king's delicacies, Daniel would purpose in his heart to live a holy lifestyle dedicated to his God. Some of us get afraid. We say, man, we're sending our kids into schools at 15, 16, 17 years old, and they are trying to train our kids to think against God. Let me tell you something. The whole group in Daniel's group, they were all that way. In fact, they didn't even have parents to come home to, to talk about these things, to process these things with. They didn't have that. So everything that was built into Daniel happened before the age of 15. And Daniel was strong enough to purpose and determine in his heart not to defile himself. The other, I'd encourage you to write down, is we must develop an unwavering perspective to see our time in history as appointed by God. To see our time in history as appointed by God. You know, Esther, one of the key phrases, key verses in Esther, is Esther chapter 4 and verse 14 Mordecai says to Esther, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You and I, it is not a secret to our God that you and I are living in a society that is against him. This doesn't surprise God. It doesn't please God that our society is against him, but it doesn't surprise God. And it doesn't surprise God that you're here. You have been placed here strategically and on purpose for such a time as this. You and I are here in this time in history, which you and I as believers see all of history as whose? His, God's, his story. We are part of the New Testament church age. That's where we fall. We're at the end of the end of the end of the last days. That's where we're at. I'm not going to give you a declaration of when Jesus is coming. I don't know, but I'm telling you the signs are there that it could be any day. We should be living every single day like Christ can come back that day. That's how we should be living as believers. Daniel was in the middle of Babylon. Esther was in the middle of Persia. And the way they lived was in, was was important and it mattered. And the way you and I live today in our Babylon, in our Persia matters. I wanna encourage you to keep coming out over the next 10 weeks as we discover believers in Babylon. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior. In the quietness of your own heart, would you go before the Lord and would you ask him, say, Jesus, I believe in you as God's eternal son, who died on the cross and rose from the dead for my sins, come into my life and save me. Again, that's Jesus. I believe in you as God's eternal son who died on the cross and rose from the dead for my sins. Please come into my life and save me. Dear gracious and heavenly father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today 
Lord, to part, participate in all of this excitement, Lord, that you're doing in our midst. And not only ours, we know you're stirring the hearts of churches all across the country. May we never become short-sighted on the work that you are doing, even though it feels like we are living in Babylon. Lord God, may you equip us this fall so that we can live as believers, living on purpose. Lord, living as appointed by you in our life. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.